You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. All right. Welcome back. Guys, we're continuing our series in the book of Ephesians, something we've been going through all fall and uh, even here in the new year. And we're going to be in this book all the way right up until Easter Sunday, the, week, the weekend before Easter Sunday. And I'm actually, uh, this, this is really neat. I was in youth ministry for many years, as you knew. And so we, we didn't really have time to go through entire books of the Bible. You could do like topical or things like that. But it's going to be really neat, especially for those of us who've been attending fairly regularly to think, wow, we've really, we've walked through this entire book from verse to verse to verse. Uh, and today uh, we are continuing in Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four. And the title for today's message is this, be truthful. Uh, it's be truthful. And Paul is talking about how our lifestyle, the way that we live, the way that we treat one another, the way that we think uh, has now all been affected by this new reality in Christ. And uh, if I'm honest, this, this particular text and, and this particular topic hits home for me. I was a just pathological liar. As a child, honestly, as a child, as a teenager, the amount of lies I made up, I couldn't even distinguish the truth from a lie. I started to believe my own lies about certain things, okay? Uh, and uh, and I, I remember growing up, uh, you know, convincing kids in my class uh, that I was a, a distant relative of William Wallace, uh, right? And <laughs> if you've seen Braveheart, I, and I I told that lie so often, I actually still think it might be true. Um, <laughs> I am not sure. I need to, ch- I need to check that on Ancestry.com. Uh, I remember convincing people that my dad played in the CFL when really he just played like flag football and East fan, right? Like, it's like, <laughs> uh, I, I, I remember trying to convince some of my neighbors that I got my letter from Hogwarts, but I just decided not to go. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Right? It's just, it was, it was an endless, and it wasn't even just like small things, right? Like it was like these very large, you know, extravagant storytelling. That's not still a thing. Uh, and, uh, right, exaggerating things just, just to try and get people interested, excited, or, or to think that I, I, you know, I was cool or whatever it was. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, sometimes I remember uh, just... Like, even as they were, the words were coming out of my mouth, I'm like, is that true? Like, I didn't even know. It was funny. I came to Christ uh, when I was 16 years old. So a friend of mine, Jordan Smale, invited me to this thing called Alpha. Uh, and through that, I heard about Jesus. And as I, you know, I became a Christian and, you know, I'm going to youth group and I'm going to church and I'm going to these different things. Uh, this, this trait of lying, even though I'd come to Christ, kind of came with me into that next year. And I remember there was this one time I was telling, I don't know, some ridiculous story, and my friend Jordan was there, and he knew it was not true. And as soon as the conversation was over, he pulled me aside and he said, he said, Cam, you need to stop telling lies, <laughs> right? He's like, you're a Christian now, man, right? And he gave me this whole, this whole speech, you're a Christian. This isn't how we live. We are people who speak 
the truth, right? And I, I remember that conversation was very impactful to me, realizing that now that I had accepted Christ, it didn't just mean that I, you know, I, I had a one-way ticket to heaven or that I was good with God or that God loved me. All those things were true. But this new reality that I had in Jesus needed to now flow into the way that I thought. It needed to now uh, be lived out and played out in the way that I think and live and act. And it was a very impactful conversation for me. And this is what Paul is doing for us today in this text. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 25, um, this, is, this is what he wants to do. He wants to have a chat about some of the really practical ways we, we, uh, we are to, to live and, and some of the things we need to put away now that we are following Jesus. And this includes truth-telling. And so if you're willing and able, would you please stand? We're going to read um, all of chapter 4, 17 to 24, and then verse 25. That's our, our key, our focus verse for today. But I want to read it in context of everything that Paul has just said to us, basically the text that we covered last week, because this is a continuation of that thought. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. He says this, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life that God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But this isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've learned about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Verse 25, our, our, our focused verse for today says this. So stop telling lies, Cam. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for all part of the same body. God, thank you for this word today. Thank you, Lord, that, that Paul, by your spirit, penned these words to help us and them to know what it means to walk and follow Christ in every area of our life. God, I pray you would help us with this today. And, and that, Lord, that we would become more and more like Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We ask that you'd speak to us now. And for those of us who maybe still struggle with this in various forms, uh, God, would you, would you help us? Help us to become more like Jesus in this way today through this text. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So Paul, once again, is addressing the behaviors in the body he wants to cleanse and see done away with. Clearly, the Ephesians, like 16, 17-year-old Cam uh, continued to lie. And not just to those in, their, you know, in the outside world, but this text actually alludes that they brought this trait of lying even into the body of Christ, even into the church. A commentator on Ephesians describes it, um, describes that lying was an endemic. He, he says, in the Greco-Roman world, it was commonplace, it was expected, it wasn't even considered morally wrong. In fact, those who had the ability to deceive and convince people were seen as valuable to those who were powerful. 
And, and this, this sin of lying was, was continuing in the church by these people even after they had come to Christ. And so he is concerned that they will continue in a way that will bring dysfunction to his church. And so he declares in Ephesians chapter 4, with the Lord's authority. Just to remind you, this isn't Paul's own theology. This isn't Paulinism. He, he says, I'm speaking on behalf of Jesus. Live no longer like you formerly did. But, but instead, put off this old nature and put on I put on the new nature that is given to you, created to be like God, holy and righteous. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And then he says, so stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. Instead, would you tell the truth to your neighbors? Would you speak truth to your neighbors? Because we are all part of the same body. This problem is still one today. It's, it's pervasive in our culture, a culture full of conflicting takes and stories and information, a culture where the consequences for the truth are so great that it's easier to lie. You know, in a time where our social media uh, feeds are full of misinformation, and it's hard to distinguish the truth. And there's fact-checking. And there's all these kind of things on, on various posts. And if you post something about a certain topic, there'll be a little button that pops up to, to clarify uh, if this is misinformation. It's, it's hard in a, in a day like ours to distinguish the truth and lie. There was a time where to access information, it had to be done through uh, like into some kind of intermediary. So uh, whether it's a librarian or a teacher or uh, you know, it's a, a professor or, uh, or a parent or something like that. And we now live in a time and an age where anyone can post anything and write anything uh, on the internet. And it's hard to know the truth and lies. So much so that some of us carry misinformation into our conversations. Some of us repost things that we think are true or sound good. Uh, and, and, and in fact, are, are based on, on things that just simply are not facts, are not true, on both sides. Uh, you know, and just to use this example, and I realize I'm, I'm walking on eggshells a little bit with this one, but I think we're farther, far enough away from uh, that last election, and most of us are not Americans. I know there's a couple in our midst, but uh, one of the most incredible things we saw when it came to misinformation in the last, uh, in the last decade was actually under Trump's presidency. Uh, it, the, the Washington Post and a number of other sources counted the number of lies and false information that he, he shared. And by the end of his presidency, they, they'd said a conservative, a conservative guess was that there was 21 lies a day. 21 uh, things that were just simply not true, totally made up. Not even the things that, you know, are like, okay, well, that's just his perspective or, or this is someone's opinion. It's just like, no, that's just like straight up not true. And at a time where politicians, we don't even know if we can trust our politicians in our own country with the things that they're saying. I think many of us are in a place right now where it just feels like there's two sides fighting for our attention to say what we're saying is true. No, what we're saying is true. No, this is the facts. This is what you're going to need to do. No, this is the truth. This is so, so relevant for us today. We live in a world where the messages, words, and things we hear are saturated with untruths. 
And so Paul is saying to them and us, we need to no longer live, think, and believe like the Romans, the Greeks, the Ephesians, or the North Americans do. We, we need to be people of the truth. We are called to be truthful. We're called to be truthful. And this isn't always easy to do. I recognize that. It isn't always easy to do. Being truthful sometimes will cost you something. Your reputation, appearances, money, time. The truth could cost us. Uh, it could cost us rapport or friendship or maybe even a promotion or success. And it's hard to tell the truth at times. It's hard, hard to know even what I'm saying is true. It's hard, hard to know, is my perspective right? Is it grounded in the truth? Or have I just parroted some misinformation? And it's interesting, you know, because I think that there's something deeper going on. It's not that we as a culture just are like a culture full of liars or think that lying is morally right or good, but there's something deeper going on in our very nature that has a tendency towards spouting things that are not true. And I even think about, uh, you know, with, with my daughter, she's a year and a half, and most of you have seen her, a smiley, uh, just like delightful little child. But even at a very young age, she has a tendency to lie straight to my face, right? And I'm just like, like what? You know, I walk in the other day and there's like literally coloring all over her stool, right? She had taken a crayon and just like went, went ham on the stool. And I said, Amy, did you color? Like, did you color on your stool? And, and this is her new thing. And it's her new answer to everything. It's like, no, right? It's like very long, very long no, right? Like, and I was like, you know, and like Emmy, like, you know, like one time, like there was coffee, like all over the couch, right? I was like, hey, did you, did you put the coffee all over the couch? No, right? She's just like, and she, and you can see it in her face. She knows she's deceiving me, right? There's something from a very young age that has gone wrong with the human heart that leads us to want to be people who are people of deception, that to tell lies, to, to, to not speak the truth, to not speak the truth. So why do we lie practically? You know, what's the practicality of it? Well, I think that truthfully, all of us are actually following a sinful nature, a former way of life, which is corrupted, as the text says, by lust and deception. We've actually been deceived by our flesh. We've actually been deceived by an enemy. We've actually been deceived in our way of thinking, as we talked about last week. Our way of thinking has become so corrupted and confused that we don't even know the truth from the lie at times. In Romans uh, 125, it says that, that we, we actually exchange, exchange the truth about God for a lie. And this has been going on since the very beginning. Very beginning. But we are called to be people who know the truth. Who know the truth. Look at verse uh, 20 and 21. This is why we read it in context. Here's what he said. But this isn't what you learned about Christ since you have heard about Christ, since you've heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old nature and stop telling lies. This is what he says. Since you've learned truth from Jesus, since we have seen truth incarnate, we are called now to be people who throw off this old way of being and embrace truth 
telling. He says, this isn't what you've learned and heard and know about Jesus. This is not in line with the truth that comes from him. We are called to truth telling as well. In fact, Jesus described himself as this, what? The way, the truth, and the life. He is saying, I'm actually truth incarnate. We believe Jesus to be God. Hebrews tells us that God cannot tell a lie. And Jesus himself said this in, in John chapter 8. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so what Paul infers is therefore because you know and have learned and believe the one whom is truth, truth incarnate, the truth will set you free, as Jesus said. We now have a standard by which to judge the truth from a lie. We now have an objective source, uncorrupted by sin, by sinful nature, who can help us discern now how to live. This is why we as followers of Jesus Christ look to emulate our lives after him because finally there is one in our midst, not from the lineage and ancestry of, of man, which from the very beginning has been corrupted by sin, who can now tell us the truth who can now tell us what is right, who can now tell us how to live. This is why we look to Jesus. This is why we look to Jesus. And this, this hits smack in the face of the modern lie that truth is subjective, that it's defined by the individual, that I am the possessor of truth and whatever is true for me is true and whatever is true for you is true. If we believe that there is a God who is a creator of all things, he actually has the authority to define the rules, to define right and wrong, the truth from a lie, like a creator of a game. Uh, if you've, you know, the, someone who created Settlers of Catan, for instance, uh, right? He, they got to create the rules of the game, no matter how frustrating they are, no matter how much I, you know, there's certain rules I'd like to change, uh, you, you must follow the rules of the game. In the same way that someone who, who created a fictional universe or wrote a book, they get to create the rules of that universe and how that world works. God is that creator, and we believe Jesus Christ, actually, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and all things were created through him and by him. This is what we believe. This is what we believe, is that Jesus was this very person. That we know the creator of the universe, we have believed him. And so Paul tells us, because you know the truth and the one whom brings truth into this world, he says, he says no longer live in this sense of falsehood. No longer live uh, as people who are dishonest, but instead stop telling lies and tell your neighbors the truth. The church should be the center for truth, a place where we model for the world honesty, transparency, and help people make sense of reality. A place where we refute lies in love. A place where we possess the knowledge of the one whom is the truth. We have the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Everyone who believes, he has been given to us as an inheritance, as a seal, uh, a promise that God is with us and that we have received him. 
And that very spirit, Jesus says, he, he describes, he, he is the spirit of all truth. He will lead us into all truth and understanding. He will remind us of the words of the one whom spoke the truth, who is Jesus Christ. And that same spirit lives within us. And so we, as the church, should be a center for truth, as I said. And we know the words of Scripture, the words that are written by the author of truth. So how are we doing when it comes <laughs> to telling people the truth? Telling our neighbors the truth? There's dozens of ways that I could apply this. There's a few I want to share with us today. I think the first is this, is that we as people who have heard the truth, we are called, um, it says, he says, so stop telling lies, like stop being dishonest, stop living like you used to, but instead tell your neighbors the truth. I'm not sure this is exactly what, what Paul meant, but I believe it's inferred in the text. Is that we, I, I think we are called to be people who, who actually share the truth of the gospel with our neighbors. We're called to be people who refute the lies of culture by, by sharing the truth of what we believe, what actually leads to life with our neighbors. And this means that in your workplace, in your family, in your friendships, we are actually... When, when I think when we stand back and we're just silent and we don't share the truth in light of, of ways of living, acting, and thinking that are causing people to be deceived or causing people uh, to walk towards death or causing people to align themselves with things that will not bring life, we, we're not living out this text. We're called to be people who share the truth about who Jesus is with the world that is around us. And, and it's not that we are lying when we remain silent, but silence is not telling the truth. Friends, we are called to share the truth with our neighbors in love. And I think as Canadian, uh, Canadian Christians or Christian Canadians, Christian first, I think we've gone rather silent rather than speaking the truth. The church has been squashed into submission by culture uh, in such a way that we believe that any, perspe any perspective other than ours is acceptable to be shared. We've made to believe that our worldview is hateful. We've been made to believe that we are intolerant. We've been told that our perspectives are unwelcome in the conversation. We still, but, but friends, we still have a call even in the midst of all of the, all of the difficulty I know that we face today in sharing the truth about who Jesus is, what he's done, and how we're called to live, we still have this resilient call to speak up when we see something that is untruthful and to call it out, correct it, and share the truth in love. Um, I recall uh, Bonhoeffer he was a pastor during the time of, of the, the reign of the Nazis in Germany. And, uh, and he was actually one of the, the people who actually went to try and take out Adolf Hitler. Uh, he was part of that resistance against that movement in Germany. And he says these words, and man, they, they, they strike us. He says, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Very challenging words in our time. When I think that if you're like me, man, I feel 
like, like I, I'm, I'm supposed to hold back. I feel like I'm not supposed to speak up. I feel like I'm not supposed to share the truth about Jesus because, because it's in the world's eyes hateful or wrong or intolerant or angry. And Bonhoeffer's words challenge us, silence in the face of evil itself is evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And he, he lived this out in a very real way. Uh, and ended up dying in a concentration camp. Alongside other Jews that he went to defend. Now listen, um, what I'm calling us to, church is I, I think the way that this can be lived out sometimes in Christian culture and online is actually a way that really doesn't reflect Christ. I think that we can become angry and we can begin to, to we, we try to make people look foolish. We get into de, to debates and, uh, you know, we, we're, trying, we, we're trying to be right, not loving. I think that sometimes we can, we can spout off ideas that we think align with Christ that don't align with Christ. Listen, truth-telling is this. We have to be so sure that what we are saying is the truth and not just an opinion that we like. Not just an opinion that, that resounds with what we like to hear, that tickles our ears, but actually is the truth of Christ. And then in light of that evil, and what is truly being done is evil that we're speaking out against. Not just evil in our own eyes or evil because we want it to be evil, but what is truly being done is evil. The Apostle Peter, I think, gives us some really um, helpful instructions about how to share the truth today. And here's what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who, who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And then he gives us some instructions, but do this with gentleness and respect. Do this with gentleness and respect. Here's what gentleness is. We learned a couple of weeks ago. Gentleness is strength under control. We have like the very words of life, the truest of true. We, 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 have, we have truth that, that can cut through any lie in our culture here today. And it's easy for us to take the sword of the spirit and actually use it to harm and hurt people, Right? harm and hurt people, but here's what Peter is telling us to do. We're called to do it with gentleness, strength under control. That we are used to use our strength under control uh, to, to have hard conversations, to use our strength under control to refute things that are not true. And he, says, he also says to do it with respect, acknowledging the dignity, the worth of the person you are speaking to. That you're not speaking to the enemy Right? You're not speaking to, uh, this, is, this is my, you know, my enemy, but rather this is someone who is made in the image of God, who desperately, desperately needs the love of God, who needs the care of God, who needs the comfort of God, who needs to be saved by God. I, I'm, I'm here today to, to win, win someone to become a brother or a sister. I'm not here to defeat them in battle. And as Paul says in, in chapter 4 early, he says, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called. With all humility. Humility. <laughs> humility is just acknowledging I don't have all the facts, and I don't have all the answers, and I don't know everything, but here's what I do. It's being humble. Gentleness, strength under control, bearing with one another in love. Love is my guiding light. 
eager to maintain unity in the spirit, a bond of peace. So the call today is not to militant Christianity. I'm not calling us to, to debate that becomes debacles, but to share the truth gently and humbly and in love, to not be silent in the face of falsehood. And this is an incredibly hard balance to find. Incredibly hard balance to find. And so practically, I want to encourage us, especially when it comes to our presence online, that we would embody these values. Humility, gentleness, bearing with one another in love. And, and that we would be so, so careful, so, so careful about the things that we share. Because we can be deceiving people into believing things that are not true through our influence. Be certain that what you are saying is true. We are called to be truth tellers, not to be right. And this is what this text encourages us to do. Thirdly, here, here's what it, it's, it's telling us. It's telling us that we are also supposed to be people who speak the truth in church and in this community here. And I'll tell you right now, it can play out in some very weird ways in the church, this, this, this lying. Uh, it's, it's not even intentional. I think it's covered up by niceties at times in our midst. You know, I, I, like, I, I feel like in church, more often than not, we, we at times can be so dishonest in our conversations with one another. I don't know what happened culturally for the church that fakeness became a value at times. Oh my gosh, I just, wow, you look so good today. Do you mean it? <laughs> Do you actually believe that? Oh gosh, I just really love your show. Oh, I'd love to hang out. Oh, I'll, I'll pray for you. Yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then we don't. We try to cover up our sin and our shame. Oh, I don't struggle with that. Oh my gosh, did, did you hear they did that? I would never do that. How are you doing? You're doing, you've had such a hard week. Such a, oh, I'm great. I'm so good. Like, we're just, I'm just so blessed, right? Like, I'll tell you right now, when I came to Christ and I entered the church, I was like, what is going on in this place? Everyone is just permagrin, smiling ear to ear, using lots of really fluffy and beautiful words to describe their lives and how they're doing. And I was like, this is like very strange, right? Like what is going on here? Why is everyone being so nice to me, right? Like it's just, we lie to try and look good. Oh man, I read my Bible all the time. Oh, when I was, I was doing my devotions this morning, I was up really early, right? Like, it's like, no, you slept in, right? Like, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, in my prayer times, like, I feel like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying we don't do these things. I'm not saying you don't like their shoes. I'm not saying you don't, when you say you're gonna pray for someone, that, that you always don't pray for them. But, but our truthfulness is also called especially to come in this context, that we would be people speaking the truth. If you're having a, a bad day or a bad week, man, tell me, all right? I don't, need, I don't need that falsehood kind of Christianity of I'm blessed and I'm good and oh, life is just, <laughs> right? Like it's just, you know, it's like, oh man, I'm having a really hard week. Oh, yeah, it's a really tough day. 
You know, I, I, I want to be honest. This week, I, I really messed up. I've, like, I've sinned time and time again. I'm struggling. Oh, man, I haven't been a good husband. I haven't been a good wife. I, I got really angry at my kids. Um, hey, listen, you know what? We were talking about this the other day, and, and, uh, and I just want to let you know I'm, I'm still struggling with that. Ah, you know, I haven't read my Bible in a week or two weeks. Hey, remember I said I was going to pray for you? I totally forgot. <laughs> Can I pray for you right now? Our truthfulness, I believe, is called, he, he calls us into a level of truthfulness here in the church. You know, um, as I talk with people who have left the church, I, I feel like more often than not, one of the things that I hear as one of the reasons is they just say, I just feel like that place is just so, it's just insincere. It's just not real. It's not honest. It's hypocritical. We're called to sincerity. Sincerity, the, word, the, the, the actual Greek word, means without wax. Back in the day, um, what sculptors who would do is if there was a crack in their sculpture, they would take wax, and some of them were so, so good at it, and they would cover up the cracks with wax to, to create a perfect sculpture. I think sometimes we, in the, as the church, we feel like we need to be a people who are covering up our brokenness and covering up our, our cracks and covering up our, our, just our struggles with wax. And, and the, this text today is calling us to be people of the truth, to be sincere, to be honest. Instead of fake and the appearance of God, godliness, we should value vulnerability and honesty. This guy named um, William Hendrickson, here's what he says about lying in the church. He says, lying is not only wrong because it makes light of the intrinsic excellence of truth, but because it causes trouble and fiction, uh, sorry, friction and disunity and sadness in the church. The law of love certainly implies truthfulness. He says it's not only wrong just because it, it makes light of the intrinsic excellence of truth, but it's because it causes this trouble and this friction, this disunity and great sadness in our church today. Somewhere along the way, we believe the lie that this whole thing was works-based again and not by grace. The gospel, when we come forward for communion, it's an admittance that I am a broken person who desperately needs the grace of God, who desperately needs to be forgiven, who has messed up this week and needs the covering of Jesus' body and his blood to forgive me and make me new once again this Sunday. Communion is not a religious act that we do. But it's actually every time it's an act of humility to say, gosh, I need God. But somewhere along the way we made it about this kind of workspace thing. We started to get into a pharisaical kind of mindset again. Where we began to value whitewashed tombs. Where we're white and clean on the outside, by the inside we're just feeling so dead and broken. It says, let us tell our neighbors the truth, especially in the community of faith. And this is not explicitly in the text, um, or, but, but it's implied by him writing. He says, because we 
are all part of the same body. Paul reminds us we're called to truthfulness, especially when it comes to how we treat one another in the church because we belong to the same body, the body of Christ. I like the way that uh, Eugene Peterson in the message draws out Paul's meaning here. Look what he says. He says, no more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbors the truth. In Christ's body, we are all connected to each other. After all, when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. He's saying that within the body of Christ, that when we lie to one another, where it's actually corporate self-deception. Uh, it's actually, it's, it's, it's to self-deceive because we are part of this same body. N.T. Wright tells us, it's, it's corporate self-deceit. It is self-defeating because we're part of the same body. John McKay said it this way, a lie is a stab into the very vitals of the body of Christ. To lie to our brother and sister in Christ is harming the very body that we are a part of. And it's this kind of behavior that destroys community and trust and unity within our family, the family of God, like it does any other organization or workplace or family. Part of the vision for the church and the world is to be a picture of the world of what life could be like and what it was supposed to be. This picture, to, this picture radically shocked the ancient world when they saw followers of Jesus living in ways that just did not look like the culture around them. And he's calling us to this as well. He is. He's calling us to truthfulness. He says there is a better way. There is a better way than the ways that you have learned. There is a better way than the ways that you used to live. Live no longer like the North Americans, like the Canadians, like the Port Moodians do. But instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and actions and instead be people of truth. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CHurch.